Good evening, dandies. Welcome to Undetermined, the podcast. Special guest this evening, Mr. John Wright. Hello. Hello. Yes, John Wright, <laughs> dead Bob. And uh, no means no, of course, uh, prior. Uh, yeah, a big pleasure to meet you, man. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm, uh, like I say, it's, uh, uh, very nice that you've reached out and, uh, like, uh, uh, a bunch of people have been reaching out and, and, uh, excited that something's going on again from this end yeah. of the world from us. So. Right. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, you're getting some feedback there that's uh that's awesome i mean listening to the new record it's uh yeah it's really good oh thank you uh, oh man I'm, I'm digging everything i hear um of course i've been you know i i wasn't really well i didn't really even know about like no means no back in the late 80s but you know in mid 90s i think well i think probably the first introduction i got to your work was uh virus 100 doing the cover of oh, yeah. uh, forward to death. Yeah. <laughs> Jello and, uh, thought we were Jello thought we were making fun of him. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Like no, no, no. We're just just doing something a little different. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I heard that I was like that was the first I that was the first punk rock a cappella song I'd ever heard. I think. <laughs> yeah. Then, it's a really yeah. fun track. And it's really I was fun. like I was like, that's fucking great. I need to, you know, look into this. Um, and I picked up wrong, uh, eventually. So yeah, I mean, like I say, you're, you're kind of isolated there in Canada. We're, uh, isolated here in Missouri. So I'm glad, you know, the sound waves found my ears uh, <laughs> for sure. Oh yeah. Um, well, uh, uh, we were through Kansas city early on uh, we, in our very first tour, I believe in 1986, we, we, we kind of packed up the van and, and, uh, our, our manager booked whatever he could in the States. And which I think we never played a Friday or Saturday night for, I don't know, two months yeah. <laughs> Tra- traveling through playing a lot of people's backyards and just, you know, mid but meeting, yeah. of course, loads of people, and uh, we'd have two or three days off stretches, and people putting us up, and uh, and yeah, it's like racking my brain, and I really, I'm, I, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the name, the fella that we stayed with in Kansas. We played there and stayed in his house, and a couple of mm-hmm. days, and of course, we went back and saw him again on on subsequent tours, um, and then we didn't play Kansas for. Kansas City for quite a while. I don't yeah. know really know why. I mean, the scene, of course, is up and down in different places, and right. often, yeah, you know, a town just requires that 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 person or those folks who right who get something going and get something happening and booking bands like us and you know back then I, of course, I, the punk yeah. rock wasn't a big scene and. Mm-hmm. So, I think sometimes, uh, like, the loop around Kansas City, like, peep bands will end up doing a loop. And I don't think it's, like, an intentional thing, but they end up having to do, like, a big out-of-the-way zigzag to hit us sometimes right. with the way the the tour is scheduled. 
Yeah. 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 I'm not, you know, and of course you just can only get shows where you can get shows. And, uh, uh, eventually you're always gravitating to, you know, where, where the shows will be paying you and doing better or whatever. Right. So the schedule in the States was, yeah, we, it was never like the same routing all the time. And, uh, uh, what, God, I think the, the last time we didn't play in Kansas City, Ivanti, what is, um, there's a town maybe an hour out of, uh, God, I can't remember the. We came up from Dallas and played mm. there. Coming up from Dallas, mm. so yeah, it was another town near Kansas. Springfield, maybe or Joplin. Springfield Joplin. is it on the Kansas side or the Missouri side? It would be on the Missouri know. side, I think. And it was not. It was. It was up pretty close to Kansas City because. Mm. Uh, anyway, yeah. So mm-hmm. we we ended up playing a lot of different places. That's for sure. And, uh, uh, but uh, you know, we also went by, uh, Kansas City because my sister lives there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's what you were telling me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My sister lived in Liberty for the longest time. Not actually Kansas City proper, but lived in Liberty for the yeah. longest time. And uh, now she lives in Smithville. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Smithville's a neat little town. Yeah, it is. I really like it. It's kind of, it's got its own character. I like Smithville a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, they've got I don't think they're right in the town. They've got some property, some acreage mm-hmm. outside uh-huh. and uh she's a nurse. She went she moved to the states back in the uh, when was it? Late 80s, 90s. There mm-hmm. was like uh no work for nurses here in British Columbia. She she huh. became a nurse and everything but just couldn't get a decent job. And they were desperate for nurses in the states and there was huge recruiting uh you know, oh, yeah. going on. And yeah, when she had like, you know, basically had her choice of, I don't know, seven different hospitals she could have got a job at with lots of incentive and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, I guess, uh, somewhere in Liberty was, uh, the one that seemed to be the most attractive. And huh. so she moved there to work and hasn't moved back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Smithville's got a pretty lake there, and uh, yeah, it looks like I, I'd like to spend more time just right off the river. Through. Yeah, yeah, but it's right off the river. It's got a nice lake, and it just it's got that small town kind of feel, but it's it's still kind of Kansas City and kind of North Kansas City, and uh, yeah, just oh. south of Paradise. They say, right, right, right. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, but you're in. Uh, so you're in Lund. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just saw that there's a. Uh, I don't know if it's a documentary coming out. If it's already come out, uh, end of the road. I think it was called about about. Oh Lund. yeah, yeah. Did there was a that? movie. Yeah, document. That was that came out a little while ago. Yep. Did it? Hmm. And to yeah, be I just honest, I've, I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently we haven't either. So. Yeah. No, I just saw a trailer for it though. It looks interesting though. Apparently, like, oh the yeah, town yeah. Was, this, uh, uh, this yeah, literally, it is the end of the road. You you travel north up the coast, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, there's a uh, you can follow the coast of North and South America by road, almost mm-hmm. entirely, except for I think there's a stretch down in the Panama Isthmus. You know there, right? There's a play. There's a little bit there that there's actually no road, and it's uh, from what I understand one of the most dangerous places in the world. Yeah, I've seen documentaries on that, it, and that looks like so a scary I think place. From like 
northern Panama or some near Costa Rica or something, you have to take a boat and get down to Colombia, I guess it is. And, yeah. And then you can continue driving from there and drive all along the coast, all the way to Tierra del Fuego in in Chile. So that's mm-hmm. uh, uh, so up here at the end of the road when the when the when the highway winds down to the uh, to the dock in Lund, in the mm-hmm. hotel mm-hmm. and. It's like mile zero, and then you know the, and I can't I <laughs> yeah. can't remember how many miles to Terro de Fuego, the other miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's got a listed like yeah, how far it is. Yeah, you can't, old, you, can't drive, you can't drive any further <laughs> along the coast here. Wow. Uh, you could you go inland, of course, and drive up north and you, all the way up, of course, to Alaska, but you can't do it by car along the coast. Yeah. Wow. So that's why we're the end of the road. And, and yeah, it's kind of, you know, people gravitate to the end of the road for a lot of reasons. So there's a lot of different kind of characters around here. Yeah, the, the documentary kind of, uh, or the trailer it was insinuating, it was kind of a, a hippie uh, commune sort of place, uh, a lot like oh, the yeah. Triangle, you yeah. know. Uh, One of my friends was born on that commune. Oh, yeah? Really? Wow. Yeah, you trying know. to escape the draft, right? That's oh, yeah, and uh, yeah. I just walked by another neighbor of mine who is a draft dodger from New York uh, mm. from <laughs> the 70s. He's probably 10 years older than I am. I'm 61 now, and he's in his 70s. Yeah, yeah. right yeah. on. Yep, uh, people that just live right around me now here, and, and you know, you have ex-loggers and fishermen and, and just people who are – you know, can't deal with society for whatever reason, you know, like uh, yeah. try to have to get away from people. And so you have a real odd sorts of, of characters uh, and, you know, lots of nice people. You have a pretty broad spectrum of like, uh, you know, extreme liberal versus extreme conservatism. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I can, I can see both being drawn to a place like that. Oh yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, and uh, of course, all the really tiny town politics, and which I thankfully avoid mostly. I just, you know, <laughs> I just live in my place. Don't really uh, get involved with the community that much. Although, since I ended up partnering up and buying a pub down in Powell River. Now, Powell River is uh, about a half an hour south of us on the highway. It's also here on the North Sunshine Coast. And it was, ah, yeah, like in the... It, in the fifties, the like the mid fifties to the mid sixties, uh, I believe it was producing twenty five percent of the world's newsprint. Wow! It's oh, a wow. Ma- was a massive uh, 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 paper mill here. Yeah. Huh. So this town was extremely wealthy. For it was like one of the wealthiest towns in Canada for a long time, but it's totally isolated. You yeah. can't get here. You ha- you can you, you can. There's roads, like I say, but there you have to take a ferry. In fact, yeah. from Vancouver, you have to take two ferries to get here. Uh, yeah. So it's always been this kind of, you know, they had their all their, you know, they had three dairies and all the mm-hmm. locally produced food. And it was quite a self-sufficient town. In fact, it was the first town in Canada anyway that had social housing that had universal Medicare like oh. like everyone from the mill would pay one dollar off their paychecks and they could go see a doctor for free huh. kind of thing 
That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it was quite. It was quite a. It was kind of a planned city that way, or a planned town. This mill. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's a pretty high ideals. Of course, it's all white. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The the you know the uh, the indigenous people around here, of course, were forced out of their uh, territory and all this, the uh, all that sort of all the all the the colonization uh, issues that happened. Uh, which was, oh, of course, yeah. you know, all over North America, everywhere in the world, really. Oh, but, yeah. uh, but Powell River, yeah, it's it was kind of a it has a kind of an interesting history. Yeah. So you've been, uh, you said, uh, part owner in a a pub there. Is it a? It's a brewery too, isn't it? No, it's not a brewery. That was brewery? kind of the whole idea is that mm-hmm. it would become a brewery, uh, be a brew pub because, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I've been brewing my own beer for, I don't know, 30, I don't know, 30 some odd years. Wow. Uh, when did I start? 1992. So yeah, I guess, uh, just over 30 years. And, um, you know, and, and kind of the whole craft brew thing was, uh, uh in fact, it was our, it was a trip down to California to, mm-hmm. and we played, we didn't play, but we drove, you drive past this town called Hopland and, um, and we went in and just to have some lunch and or to stop and there's like a brew pub. This is like nineteen eighty six or seven or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and yeah, they're brewing their own beer. It's like, oh, this is totally awesome, you know? Like mm-hmm. Canadians were all really super snobby about their beers and like all <laughs> right. beers and piss and blah and, and, and really in, in actual fact, you know, between us, Canadian mm-hmm. beer sucked. And all we did. <laughs> don't, don't let anybody tell you any different. You know, not to say that I like to pound back the old Milwaukee's or anything like that. I'm just saying it was, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of bullshit. So, yeah. And actually, the craft beer uh, really started in Northern California, Oregon, you know, and, um, uh, but I found it fascinating and great. And then we ended up touring in Europe and, and I'd been over traveling as a kid earlier in the eighties, but, uh, you know, it's just like, wow, you know, I love beer and, and it was all this great beers and come home. It's like, ugh, all this beer shit. And, yeah. um, so I decided, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to make my own beer and started brewing in like 92 or something, 91, 92. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've been doing it ever since and got, you know, got pretty good at it. And, uh, I imagine after that uh, much time. Yeah. What's, and, your, uh, what's your go-to? What's it, what's your favorite uh, yeah. brew to make? Uh, well, I mostly brew lagers when I can, especially mm. uh, I like lagers. Bavarian. Bavarian, by that I mean Franconian lagers. Uh, mm. That's to me. That's the you know that's the Shangri-La, the mecca of of brewing is like Nuremberg and Bamberg, and that part of Europe. Czech beers. Uh, <sighs> Uh, but I'm, I'm definitely like the loggers uh, and pilsners, of course. But, you know, whatever. And now I just brewed a beer, not yesterday, day before, and the weather's getting warm here, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I brew, I have another little cabin on my property here, and and, uh, and I don't have any refrigeration or temperature control. It's just all basically ambient temperature. In the winter, it's mm-hmm. great. I can do loggers, the cabin. I have some heat, so it doesn't get freezing. But in the summer, there's no air conditioning. So, uh, and ales you tend to brew. Uh, 
Hello? Oh, sorry. I, I touched my oh. phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens. That's okay. Yeah. I'm back. Uh, yeah, and ales are, uh, uh, tend to ferment at higher temperatures. So right now, <sighs> the ambient temperature, I think, in the cabin is, uh, is well, it's 18 degrees Celsius. So because oh, that's 68 degrees or something. And so it's now nice I'm day. Ales. Yeah. Uh, So, mm-hmm. yeah, in the summer, I, I, you know, whatever. I have to brew what is going to work depending on the time of year I'm brewing. So it's like farming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but lager, lagers are my go-to. Well, that's, uh, yeah, good man. And, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know a lot about brewing yet. I know a lot about drinking it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lager is, it, it's usually a bigger challenge than something like a stout or an IPA. Cause you can just hide so many flaws with just over hopping shit. And, yep. you know, or making a stout to where it's just so bitter that, you know, you, you cover up so much. But I think a lager, in a lot of ways, it brings out the true, you know, worth, I guess, of the of the brewer. Well, yeah, uh, it's, 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 well, it's, it's basically uh, malt driven and, mm-hmm. and you don't have a lot of character if from the yeast itself, too, because the colder fermentation is less, just less esters and less character. And yeah, uh, so it, you, it's a little bit more, uh, yeah, delicate, I guess, and revealing delicate, and more subtle. Mm-hmm. subtle. It's, I, I prefer beer tasting beer. Rather right. Than, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, I like an IPA or whatever, but I don't like it when it's like, you know, sort of beer flavored hops. Uh, I would right. rather it be the other way around. Exactly. <laughs> Some hop yeah. flavor in there for sure. Hops are, it's a natural for sure, but, uh, yeah, when it's when it seems like every other flavor in the book is more important than the than the the, the uh, malted barley is where I start to lose it. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We Matt, I would go to a, a beer fest, local beer fest here every year uh, mm-hmm. for a long time. Then they kind of disappeared. Years, well, then the pandemic hit. Yeah, kind of. Kind of fizzled out, and they take yeah. it to different places. Man, yeah. I remember the last time we went, this guy in a t-shirt in front of us was just like, "Keep your fruit out of my fucking beer." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I got to get." Well, I'll fruit. tell you, the craft brewers around here, because it's you know, it's it's a big industry here in in British Columbia, and uh, uh, yeah, a lot of them are like, yeah, they're all turning out uh, just straight up lagers, straight up. Uh, you know the rice lager, bomber rice lager. It's like mm-hmm. wow, it's essentially craft brewed Budweiser. Yeah, and, and, yeah. but it's, it's fine. It's good. You know, I like it. Uh, and I, it's not that Budweiser's a terrible beer or any of these beers. It's just I like the fact that it's you know craft brewed. It's a small company. It's local. Mm-hmm. It's it, you know they don't use the. It's not a factory. I mean, when you're brewing in right. a factory, you have to do a lot of different things to make it work, and uh, and uh, just all the, you know, I just like it when it's you know, the the yeah. basic brewing process and nothing added, and and you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 So, what's your uh, What's your favorite beer when you're in the Kansas City area? Oh my God! It's been so long. That's a tough. One. I haven't been now. Yeah. There's probably way more beers down there now than there was the last time I was through. And I was trying I'll tell to you an interesting one to try and check out uh, is from John and I both really like this. It's a big piney. 
Oh, yeah. Big beer. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Speaking of weird flavors, but this one is really interesting. It's a black walnut beer. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, to say that I, that's what I prefer, but I also, it's like there's a lot of creativity and I'm, I'm never against people being creative and, and, and trying stuff. Uh, I've had some pretty interesting beers too, uh, that are unusual. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just generally gravitate to the straight up beers, yeah. lagers. Did you ever try to brew anything really freaky? <sighs> well, I mean, I was, doing, I was doing some fruit beers back in the 90s, you know, like, right. mm. uh, uh, I think the weirdest beer I ever made, and I don't even know what happened to it, it got infected. <laughs> That'll be oh, weird. Boy. I don't know what it was. It, it grew some kind of mold on it, Ooh. and and it was sitting in the secondary in the glass carboy there, and be like it all turned this white thing grew on the surface and had these little like uh, towers of mold poking Ooh. up out of it. It was just the oddest <laughs> thing. It was like, oh my god, this I, it's it's, te- it's gone. It's gone off. I got. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's like, well, I better taste it, see what's going on. And I'd rack some off. And it's like, oh, actually kind of tastes all right. Uh, it smelt funny, but it tasted good. Kind of like, you know, moldy cheese or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, a kombucha mother was on it or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Exactly. I don't know. What, <laughs> some, in fact, somebody did tell me what they thought it probably was. And now I can't remember. Um, and, uh, but, of course, being the cheapskate i am it's like well i don't want to throw it out it actually tastes okay and, <laughs> and ended up bottling it i i didn't drink at all i gave a lot of it away but but when i went to like this was in vancouver and i was living down in vancouver and and a, a local beer supply store uh where i got all my stuff from uh, he was doing some homebrew nights you know people would come in and bring their beer Mm-hmm. And I didn't go to many of them, but I went to one with this beer. I came and I said, "Okay, fellas, the, this one was weird, and this is what <laughs> happened." And one guy said, "He was like, this is the best beer I've ever had in my life." <laughs> <laughs> he totally loved it. It was like, so you just never know. I'm, you know, right. Uh, but oh, that shit. was, I didn't make it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'd be the problem too. It'd be hard to recreate. You yeah. Know? I would not, no idea. <laughs> Although, like I say, I, somebody did tell me what they thought had happened to it. And I can't remember now what that was. Mm. Mm. Got to try to recreate it. Yeah. Well, it's, it was one of those accidents. Yeah. Huh. You know? Wow. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I always wanted to get into home brewing. I never had the patience for it. I always wanted to open the beer too early. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, you just have to be a cheapskate like me and not want to buy it all the time. And yeah. Got some time yeah. on your hands, and I don't mind messing around in the kitchen. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so John, I heard you were in a couple of bands, too. Yeah, oh, just... yeah. I did a little of that as well <laughs> for a while. <laughs> But I was I was talking about the bar. That's what I was talking about. In, oh yeah, in, yeah, getting involved with the pub because uh, my brother. Uh, well, essentially, the last kind of full on no means no concert uh, was uh, in Frankfurt in Germany, uh, 
at a, this squatted house. When we went over, you got to understand, when we went over to Europe for the first time to tour and play, uh, we were invited over by the Dutch government. Well, not the Dutch government. The du- Dutch government funded uh, uh, a sort of international music festival you know, spring festival that would go over four or five nights and they would give money to all these different clubs and and uh and community centers to bring right. in from around the world and we were on at and there was a, a record label in holland called the conquerel and uh they and there was a hardcore dutch band who one of the fellows was dating or going out or eventually married uh ruth schwartz from more damn records who Ooh. were at's distributor and and so they kind of knew about about at bands and stuff and they were like well we want to get no means no over to play and uh and then so they arranged to for us to play like four shows in some clubs around holland uh mm-hmm. which we all got paid pretty decently for because we're all government funded shows so it was sort of like paid most of our airfare. And then and then through them, and they were a very independent punk rock kind of organization, they, they, they booked as well. And then they had a fella in Germany who booked, uh, Dolph Hermannstetter. And mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember. We probably played a show in France. We didn't go too far afield. And uh, although we did go to Yugoslavia, which is – Interesting. We played in Ljubljana when it was still Yugoslavia. So crossing over the uh, uh, into the east, you know, it was uh, that was pretty mm-hmm. exciting. But it's still Iron Curtain days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so when we went over there, it was uh, you know we never played like apart from those shows in Holland. Everywhere we played was a squat. And mm-hmm. was or it was there were no legitimate clubs that we played in, and, and it was this whole kind of by the mid eighties there was quite a uh, connected uh, uh, scene, punk rock scene of of people sharing interest in the music and booking bands, and everyone wanted American bands or Canadian bands sure. to come play, and they all worked together quite quite well. It was right, it was a real you know movement community whatever mm-hmm. and we just happened you know because of it being on at we just sort of slid into this world and uh and we played good shows and people were like oh you know they we were we were making fans um and then subsequently we toured regularly for the next what 25 years and uh, uh and primarily all of our contacts were these squatted places like very lefty political and uh, mm-hmm. uh community activist type people and uh uh into the music for not just to party and pick up girls but you know what i'm saying yeah. mm-hmm. um uh it was it was a very healthy scene and right kind of as everything was blossoming in in the states as well in a way but oh. uh so uh one of these squats was uh, called the owl and it's in Frankfurt, just outside of Frankfurt. Uh-huh. And they have a festival. And they had a festival every year. In fact, I think they're celebrating. Their, I got an email just recently. They're having their 40th anniversary or something. Oh, and wow. uh, so been around forever. And we played in Frankfurt a lot, but never played at the squat itself. We'd stay there all the time, but we never mm. played there. 
And finally, in 2013, uh, we were booked to play and this is like you know 1500 to 2000 people would come to their annual party it was yeah. a big deal it was a lot of yeah. yeah it was a good show yeah. a lot of bands played there and so finally we did finally we we uh had the show at the l and uh and it turns out that was our last show that uh we played as as you know, robbie tommy and i cranking mm-hmm. it out huh. uh, that was june of 2013 so like literally yeah, well, ten years ago, uh, almost. Wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so, you, uh, did you have any idea at the time that would be? Or no, no, there mm-hmm. wasn't any. No, no, I didn't think at that moment that that would be the last show. Uh, mm. Although my brother Rob was less and less into the guitar music, and um, he, you know, he'd been for several years. You know, all he ever listened to was electronica and dubstep, and. Mm-hmm. You know, he was kind of looking for new horizons. And although he still wrote guitar music and whatnot, of course, and and he's also 10 years older than me. So, or no, eight years wow. older than me. So he turned 69 this year. Mm-hmm. And so 10 years ago, he's like my age now, 61. And uh, he had only had a young family. He had started his family at 55. And mm-hmm. uh, so when we got back, we were kind of thinking we wanted to take a breather anyway. And that breather became a bit more of a longer hiatus and then we went and did a Hanson Brothers tour in Canada early in 2014 mm-hmm. and then that was it yeah we never we, it, the the hiatus turned into retirement <laughs> well for for my brother yeah right right uh, yeah. which was understandable and fine and yeah. Uh, and that's and that's interesting. Yeah, you know, thinking about that and getting into kind of the dubstep and you know, electronic or the industrial type, you know, sound. It's uh but you know, I mean you guys have always been genre bending. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you didn't uh did you identify, do you think, as a punk band or was it just like being adjacent to like DOA and some of those bands up there that you were just like, this is where the best spot we fit in or, or. Yeah. I'd say this, that's where we fit in. Uh, and I would say, yeah, we identified as punk rock, but you know, this is, we got started in Victoria, British Columbia Mm -hmm. and like anything that wasn't punk rock was punk rock. You know, it's like the, 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 it was, there was no, it was not a, it was a very broad spectrum. No, in that era, I think in general, I think it was just yeah. more of a, people fell under a wider umbrella than they did. Yeah, it was just doing not commercial stuff and more DIY and and uh, just like, you know, putting a band together and putting on shows, whereas, you know, you, you couldn't get through the gatekeepers at the local nightclubs or the record mm-hmm. labels, right? So uh, we were really born out of that. And Victoria was quite uh um quite a a, a stewing pot uh, lots mm. of band, lots of musicians lots of different bands uh very vibrant in a way and yeah. uh and so but i mean yeah uh my brother was getting into the ramones before i was i was i didn't graduate till 1980 and during my junior high and High school, I was still listening to a lot of, you know, pop rock and, and I was played in the school band and I was really into big band and, um, you know, in the 70s. I can hear that. Yeah. You've got that time. You're a good drummer, man. 
Well, thank you. And, and uh, all my drumming, drum set drumming in those teenage years was, yeah, playing jazz band. Yeah, so, I, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, so, and my brother ended up moving back to Victoria in like 1978 or something. And he brought, he had bought a TAC four track. So, mm. which was pretty for home recording was state of the art in that day. Yeah, like yeah, back then. Four yeah. tracks and you could overdubs like, Oh my God, it was mm-hmm. uh, pretty cool stuff. And I, I of course was like, he was like, okay, he brought home Devo and the Ramones and the Sex Bills. And I'm like, oh, this is, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I don't know if I like this. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm like, I don't know, what, 16 years old. And, <laughs> right. And, yeah. uh, uh, but recording, like, oh, my God, this is fucking great. Let's, yeah. let's, let's record. And Robbie wanted to, was, wanted to play music. He only really kind of got started playing guitar and playing music around that time. So mm-hmm. he was like already 20 what four years old or something and uh but he was all inspired and uh so we just started recording together and uh and but then i went and saw doa like 1979 they played at the university of victoria and robbie's like come on we gotta go see this band let's go let's go all right sure and uh i listened to their cd the prisoner and third the prisoner 13 Mm, uh, yeah uh, which was, you know, it's a pretty seminal uh, single now. I mean, it that inspired so many bands, like that single alone. And, uh, and it was like, oh, well, this is pretty cool. Yeah, oh, sure, let's go. And it was fucking mind-blowing. It was just, oh, my God. First of all, I'd never seen a drummer play that fast in my life. Right. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, this hardcore. And and there was all these kind of people going to, you know, this weird bunch of people going to see a punk, re- punk rock band. But the, the, the local rugby team came just to be shit disturbers, right? You know, coming, <laughs> right. And... and <laughs> and challenge this punk rock band. It was so weird, you know, it's like you get beat up because you listen to some kind of music that somebody else didn't. Yeah. Like I never understood that. You know? No. Hey, yeah. you listen to punk rock, so we're just going to come in and kick the shit out of you. Like I, I don't right. it was beyond me. Like why? Well, um, even even here we had, you know, people listening to the same music, but then politics got involved. We talked a lot about, you know, skinheads crashing shows. Racist oh, yeah. skinheads crashing shows. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, it, 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 never could understand that either. Well, you know? people can just be like group assholes, too. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's we had a friend. To get into a fight. I mean, the whole idea is yeah. to get into a fight. That's why you're, it's got nothing to do with politics. It's got right. everything to do with being in yeah. a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the most crazy things I've heard. Was one of our friends, John, remember Lisa Papineau telling us the story yeah. about the entire crowd turning to, it was like this little small town in the middle of nowhere. You know, their band was just trying to, you know, tour and get any kind of attention. They, and like everybody, like this huge group showed up for the show and they all turned their backs on the band. <laughs> <laughs> Bought tickets, you know, just to show up That's... and turn their back on the band. Uh... Yeah. Well, I, I guess they had a point to make. I guess so. I guess, but it was, yeah, she was like, "That was fucked up." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> At least nobody got hurt, I guess. But geez. well, yeah. I suppose better than showing up and beating the shit out of the band. So right? yeah, are you guys the inspiration of Night of the Living Rednecks? 
is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah you so told jello that story and he just went with it okay. <laughs> <laughs> well I, the, the long and short of it is uh that that's that show was really a turning point for me personally was like mm. this was intense for one sure and uh and and just the energy in that room although it was at times pretty aggro there was never actually a fight but there was at one point chuck business was waving his symbol stand around at people and i in this one big rugby dude was right in joe shithead's face it was one of these shows where there's basically no stage and yeah. joe just wound up he's got this big fucking hork going in his mouth and just <laughs> bit right in the guy's face because wow. they were all spitting on them right they're oh punk right. rockers they can spit on you yeah and uh then it got that. pretty tense don't fight <laughs> the fight didn't break out but wow. a, beer bottle, a beer bottle came flying in and hit randy rampage in his base on his hand uh, and he got cut and his blood and he's and i'm like like you know i'm 17 year old going like oh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? okay this is like nothing that i've seen before <laughs> right you know, I may uh, be a little late in the game, but this is pretty insane. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then I just, okay, then I was listening to nothing but all the punk rock at that time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and you asked, do I identify as a punk rocker? Or do we identify mm -hmm. as punk rock? Says, well, that's what we were listening to. That's yeah. what was inspiring us to play. Uh, we didn't really end up playing music like that. Um, you know, Robbie and I then were writing. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with our first album, Mama. With Mama, yeah, mm. yeah. No, well, that was yeah, that was guitar free too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of guitar and piano on it, but basically it's bass and drums, and mainly because you know we we got more inspired. Like, okay, well, we don't know any guitar players to play with, but. So let's just write music that we can play. And Robbie was like, he went, he, he hadn't played the bass before. He just played guitar. So he bought a bass, started learning how to play it, and started writing riffs and stuff that, and, and lyrics to go on them. And I would drum. And when you're just bass and drums, then you kind of do more. You got more space to fill. And, and mm -hmm. uh, the songs were pretty straightforward. They weren't like verse, chorus, verse, chorus kind of stuff. Uh, and mainly because that just didn't work without the guitar players and the leads and all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of by happenstance, really, that because it was just my brother and I doing our own little thing in my folks' basement on, you know, on a four track, and yeah. uh, that it that we just ended up sounding different because, yeah, just because of happenstance. Yeah, uh, having those spots, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was and we were enjoying it, and and mm -hmm. and the whole thing mm -hmm. was just putting that energy. And I think why like the punk rockers ended up liking this stuff, even though it was all weird, is that mm -hmm. we would play it really, really loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. and, yeah. And so a lot of that intensity, a lot of that energy, and that's like I'm not into the violence, but yeah. I, I'm into the energy. That, yeah. And, wow. the and that's what punk rock, that's what drew me in and, 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 and what the band embraced as part of that, what came out of the 70s. And 
and and all that punk rock music. Yeah. What intensity that you know, punk's like, a spirit more than it is anything else. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's what you put into it, and the audience would put in as well. I mean, you go to some lame ass fucking rock show, and everyone just yeah. sitting around, and and it, but the audience was half the show. Like, yeah, it, yeah, you know, absolutely. I just went to see uh, uh, Black Flag a couple weeks ago, and uh, I got to say, I was I was impressed with uh, the crowds and the younger kids treating each other well, but still moshing their ass off, you know. Yeah, and well, uh, yeah, nobody was getting hurt or anything, but they were, you know, it was intense. It was probably most intense pit that I've seen in a while at a show. Um, yeah. yeah, just because you know we're all getting old, and you know. Of course, I'm upstairs, you know, on the balcony. No, I'm one of those lame-ass rock and roll audience guys. <laughs> you know what, though? We paid our dues. Yeah, I yeah, think we yeah. all paid our dues. I, I think we can I sit down. <laughs> I love it when I go to a show now and the, like, audience decides, eh, it's okay to sit. Right. <laughs> oh, thank God. You know, and everybody's got, like, that collective sigh of relief, like, okay, we can just sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I paid my dues. I can sit down. Right. Yep, did my time. Well, I don't know, it's good to hear. Sure. I mean, but, you know, it, it was always kind of that teenage boy uh, adrenaline, you know, that oh, yeah. ruled these shows uh, mostly, you know. And But, yeah, it was the same thing, that energy, but nobody getting hurt. It, it, like, like the idea was to have that energy, but it wasn't really – I mean, maybe some of the skinhead punk rocks, I mean, there was right. – I, mean, I think the eastern states had more of a reputation of being more sure. vicious, a, sure. bit, a yeah. bit more vicious uh, than the west side and the Midwest, I guess. And uh, But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, it was like no one was there to get hurt. They were just there to have fun. And, right. um, and, and, yeah, the audience provided half the energy of the show or more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've seen some bands yeah. that were like, oh, you know, not that exciting, but the audience was going crazy. And it was like, that, <laughs> that made the show. Mm-hmm. So we are all caught up in that. Like, uh, you know, when I'm on stage playing my drums, I want to have all of that energy. Yeah. That, I, well, that's one thing I always appreciate about like seeing uh, the footage, you know, from back in the day of you guys and they, you know, put you like up front. Uh, that was, yeah, that yeah. was. Uh, that was two, two reasons for that, really. Um, mm-hmm. One being, uh, as traditional jazz setup, uh, that uh, the drums are off to the side, but up front. Uh, mm-hmm. Often, like you know, Buddy Rich and the, the the Gene Krupa and the bands that where the drummer was the star, they were right up front. I mean, they're yeah. front stage. Um, uh, and the other thing being, going back to my brother and I, we we played a couple of shows. Mm-hmm. And I sit set up in the middle at the back. He stood out in front of this base and mm-hmm. be like, well, this is completely stupid. I, I got my back to you. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. well, this is dumb. Like, okay, let's just sit side by side so we could, you know, he's looking at me, I'm looking at him and there's two, two, two musicians on stage. Yeah. Right. So when we brought the guitar player in, uh, Andy, eventually who ended up playing with us, uh, we did. We just didn't bother changing. Like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know how many shows I've sat through where I see just the singer, and you know, and he's trying to keep time and stuff with the drummer or the front man, whatever they're doing, 
and he's got his back to the crowd because he just has to look at the drummer and you know connect. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's 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 awkward in some ways. I mean, as a show. I think they put the drummer in the back because of television. I, somebody was telling mm. me why the drummer ended up in the center of the back. And it was more, it had, it didn't have to do with what made it easier to play. It had to do with how it looked and how it was set yeah. up. That even see, always seems weird to me because if there's anybody that's like lowest, right, it's the drummer, right? They're sitting down <laughs> while everybody else is right. standing up. Right, it seems like it would be, you know. So we have to build these risers yeah. for drummers to even get seen. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really make sense. You're right. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and it, yeah, like I say, it didn't work for us, so we just didn't bother. And and also, I sing, and when I'm singing, uh, I'm I'm a right-handed drummer, so my mic is to the to the left of me by the hi hats, and I have to turn to sing oh, yeah. into the mic. So when I'm singing lead, which wasn't all, it wasn't a lot of songs, but it was some, I'm singing to the side of the stage. <laughs> yeah. You know, not singing out to the audience, visually not singing out to the audience right. uh, or physically. So the other, that was the other reason, like I'm singing. So I want to be able to look out the audience while I'm singing and they can see me singing. Like there's some drummers that are lead singers and it's always like, well, who's singing? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the drummer. The drummer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a hard thing to do. I, oh, my God. I've tried so many times. I can't play an instrument and sing at the same time to save my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I've been trying. Oh, forever. I mean, you know, maybe if I'm playing guitar and just like a three-quarter song or something, you know, but yeah. Phew, nothing. Well, really it really amazed me because my brother could play and he would sing, but he could also sort of talk. And yeah. that, that, that's a talent. Like, yeah. do you think singing and playing at the same time is hard? Try talking and playing at the same time. It's <laughs> yeah. You don't it's have a, the cadence. And yeah, the, you're not, mm-hmm, you're not yeah. lining everything up in your head with the rhythm and the melody and everything is one thing, right? It's like, t- as soon as you begin talking, it becomes disconnected from everything well, else. Oh, my God. But he managed to kind of do it. You know, he could sort of do it. It was kind of, always kind of amazing. Yeah. That's always impressive to me. Well, well just a sign too that somebody's played a, th- a song like a you know a few thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it does get easier. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, I, I always assume it's like a lot of muscle memory. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yep. Yeah. yeah so that's kind of how that all that all came about. Uh, and, but what it did is it made us a little bit weirder and a little bit more unique and uh, frustrated the hell out of lazy house techs who are like where do you want those fucking oh jeez but we learned very early on like very early on right from the very beginning bring your own sound man it's more important than a roadie or a manager or a merchant your sound man because they're rare yeah he's he's the only one guaranteed to be on your side Mm. (laughs) out there in the you know what I mean (sighs) right uh, yeah, we we that's something we did right from the very get go. So, what made you? Uh, what so with the new project with Dead Bob? Um, like I said, I can't sing my praises enough of this record. It's it's just great. yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but uh, what uh, what stirred it back up in you to get back uh, out there and do this kind of uh, do this one on your own? Well, I mean, not entirely on your own, but you know, yeah. Pretty much on my own, yeah. Pretty I, much on your own. 
Well, to be to be perfectly honest, I had no intention of resurrecting a musical career. Uh, the, once Robbie retired, and I then I ended up moving up here. I moved out of the Lower Mainland and came up here, mm-hmm. and and I got involved with a, a robot band, the band a Compressor Head. Uh, compressor Head, yeah. And that was an ama- an, an amazing project. Uh, and that was kind of where I was going musically. I was still very much involved in writing music and working on this project. And I moved up here and I was like the first time I basically lived by myself anywhere uh, and got into just writing lots of music. I was writing music for the for the robots, but also mm-hmm. just writing music in general. And, uh, and it was a very, very creative time. Uh, and then, um, and then eventually, I got involved with some other things around here. I got involved with a coffee shop, helped build one, and then ended up building myself a job for a little while. And all all the while, I was working with the robots. It was a kind of a long term. Took like four years from the, when I started to when the record was done. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, just the things that they had to do: uh, building robots and expanding. Well, they started out with. It started out with just a guitar bought cover. Mm-hmm. And they 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 put out this video of these two robots playing uh Ace of Spades by uh Motorhead. By Motorhead, yeah. And and it went totally was one of those things that went totally viral. You know, they just filmed it on their iPhone and the thing went viral and then Lemmy saw it and he posted it, reposted it, and they had Oh, that'll do it, yeah. Yeah, they had like a million and a half hits or something and and, and so uh, they had a friend living in Australia and whose wife was like second in command with the the, the big day out festivals down there. So mm-hmm. the promoters who did those uh, and uh, and the, they said, well, if they, you know, if they had a bass player, they they come and play the big days out and, and literally gave the guy like fifty thousand dollars to go build a bass player. Which he did. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, he mm. uh, they, he came. He was a he was a Dutchman living in. I think he was a Dutchman living in Australia. Came back to Berlin. Was friends with all these. They, they all knew each other from before. And and uh, yeah, built this bass player and built it better. You know, they were getting better at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they decided, well, we need to be a band. We need to have a singer. You know, they went and did these big day. Th- out things and it was like okay well we can take this to the next step let's get up original music and get a singer built and and that's when they contacted me and because they're they're big hansen brothers fans actually they I mean they're oh, yeah. no fans but really the hansen brothers was why they reached out and that's kind of what they wanted that's they want that ramonzi hansen brothers punk rock right and they yeah. just got a hold of me out of the blue. They tracked me down, and I'm like, uh, robots, eh? Okay. <laughs> and they right. said, okay, we'll fly you to Berlin, and you'd come and see them. And like, oh, all right. And, all right. you know, when they sent me an airplane ticket, I was like, okay, these guys are real. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. 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 And I went over, and it was just like, holy fuck, this is just so crazy. Uh, uh, and they're all super nice guys, and and we just embarked on it. Said, okay, I'll start writing music, and we'll figure this all out. And it was a process, yeah. and 
And uh, we soon realized that the original guitar player wasn't as versatile as it needed to be. So it's like, I'm going to build another one. This is why it took so many years. It's like, yeah, okay. oh, I see. Yeah. It took like a year to build the next guitar player. In making improvements, learning as they're going, and then and then having to learn how to, like, because everything the robots do is programmed. There's no, right. of course, not mm-hmm. intuitive at all. But they have to sound like they're intuitive, right? So yeah. uh, to make to make it rock, right? And mm-hmm. uh, 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 so it was it was quite a process, yeah, of trying yeah. to like they're like programming these these robots to play, and I'm like, well, that doesn't sound very good because it's not really being played like a guitar player rigid. would play. Not yeah. mm-hmm. a drummer wouldn't do that, you know. You the drummer mm-hmm. needs to be able to do this, and and so I'm sitting there trying to guide it from from the right. perspective and they're trying to figure out how to make the programming work how to make all they're all um uh pneumatic everything about yeah. them is mm-hmm. pneumatic and um so it was you know i could go on and on about the details but it was oh, pretty amazing stuff. the growth yeah like what they had to learn what i had to learn about music like just deep constructing it like mm-hmm. right down to like you know exactly like what are the nuances and then how do you get the robots to do these nuances and uh so it was amazing and that yeah uh, the i'm really proud of the record i love it and then of course after it was all said and done then the humans started fighting amongst themselves and <laughs> of course <laughs> so that's, had, uh, that's exactly why yeah we, i bet you john's going the same place oh yeah they, we on. had uh captured Jay by Bot. robots uh, jay bot i don't know if you're familiar with him uh, uh, i'm not familiar with him personally but yeah i'm familiar with the the band yeah yeah he he's basically done something similar except he's doing it all himself Right, uh, one person, and he said, and that's the main reason is because it, just all the, uh, you know, he's tried to have other techs and stuff help him with it, but he's like the infighting and shit like that. He's like, ah, I'd just rather handle it myself. Yeah, yeah he I decided know, yeah. he'd rather build his own band than try to because <laughs> <laughs> he's that difficult. That's what he's. <laughs> Uh, but yeah he was talking about similar things you know it's just and who else were we talking to in ireland who talked about uh just playing slightly everything is slightly out of tune if it's you know (laughs) oh yeah it's like if it's too tuned in it's too rigid you know it just doesn't sound human you know yeah 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 was that brandon i think it might be yeah yeah and the, the thing is, also, they designed the robots to play the instruments rather than uh, uh, rather than uh, manipulating the instruments to be more playable by robotic, you know, mm-hmm. with robotic mm-hmm. engineers. Yeah. Like it's a guitar, and there's nothing yeah. changed to this guitar. It's how this. He doesn't have hands. He's got sliders with plungers. He's got like seventy-two fingers. You know what I mean? Right. And they, they're all individually operated. But the idea being is like, no, it's it's robots that just think they're humans playing punk rock. And so the drums, <laughs> the drum set is set up just like a drum set. And the bass had a little bit cut off the PP bass. They had, they had to cut a, a sli- slightly a bit off the top of it so the slider would slide perfectly. But mm-hmm. other than that, he's, he's fingering and playing the bass. And uh, and same as the, the other guitar eventually. And then the singer, the one thing we decided early on is like, well, 
we have to cheat with the vocals because uh, robotic vocals just uh, it, it's it not just, there. Nah, yeah. it, then it would sound completely cheeseball, right? And and it wouldn't right. have that authentic sound of punk rock and singing. Um, so we opted in the end, like, okay, we'll have, we'll, we'll do the, the voices will be human. And I was the lead singer and, and, uh, uh, Tommy Hansen, Tommy Holliston from mm-hmm. Nobody. So he, he sang a bit part with the little robot that operated the hi-hat. Uh, the, the drummer had a, a helper to, 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 to work the hi-hat. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was it was it was great. It was just great. And then another friend of ours, a friend of the compressor, has a fellow from Switzerland who is uh, who is a singer in a punk rock band. He came and did Helga, the guitar guitarist. So the voices were overdubbed and natural. And then of course they were canned. But the idea, like the singer, his head had a built-in speaker and a mouth, so that you okay, it's canned, but. He had to hold a mic on stage oh, yeah. live. It, it was still being going through the PA through a microphone, but it was just being broadcast out of his head. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> Same as yeah. a guitar player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they were pretty, you know, there were a lot of detail. And, and in the end, it was fantastic. And, and then it kind of fell off to the wayside. And, and then, uh, they're touring you know, Touchy Cheese these days. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been in touch again. He's trying to get it all going again. So uh, awesome. I, I may be back working with the robots at some point. I'm not sure. Uh, let us know if you do. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I would love to get involved again. But um, so, but the thing about the pub was uh, also for years brewing beer. I was, I would be, you know, I always imagine or fantasize what it'd be like to have like a brew, brew on premise, a brew pub, and we have music and all that sort of stuff. It'd be fun. And I thought, well, at this point in my life, and it seems like the band is pretty much done. And uh, uh, so I got together with some partners and we ended up buying uh, this kind of dive bar in Powell River with the intention <laughs> of renovating, making it into a craft beer pub, which we did, like 15 taps of craft beer and Lots of local breweries around here is fantastic, and and uh, but uh, we never ended up getting the brewery. And then we ran out of money, and then COVID, and then mm-hmm. we kind of got through all that. But last year was uh, there was no real COVID bounce back at all. And then of course uh-huh. you know fucking Putin had to decide to go fucking invade Ukraine. Right. And, and so then it was all the inflation and shit, but you know, all the stuff that's gone on now in the last year. Mm-hmm. So fi- finally, we had to close the doors uh, January 1st. We st- still there. We still own it. We haven't been able to open it up again because we just ran out of money. So we've been trying to sell it or find an investment or blah, blah, blah. And so that was quite an experience. Uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I wanted to be a professional brewer. Uh, but in the meantime, like mm-hmm. so many people in COVID, I, I had some time. Like the bar, we right. were shut down, take out only kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And 
And there was lots of government support here. It's like, uh, can't complain there. Uh, yeah. kept, kept the doors open, kept the bills paid, and we kept going. We never closed. But I had time. And and yeah. uh, I had built a workshop on my property and then kind of realized, hey, I can set my drums up here. I haven't had my drum set where I live for, I don't know, since like the early 90s. I, actually, since about 85 it's always oh, wow. my, drums, my drums are always in like a practice place, right? Where we practice. Yeah. And ever since it wasn't my parents' basement anymore, that was it. I, it my drums were not where I lived. And uh, so, uh, and, and of course I had all this music, I had all these demos and some old no means no stuff. And just a lot of music. I thought, Oh, fuck, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I got my hands on a mixer and it's like, you know, I've been working with GarageBand only, and mm. uh, uh, I, I I did have to get Logic Pro in order to ship uh, uh, MIDI files out to Germany when I was doing the robots. So I got that. Oh, started, yeah. But uh, I realized, hey, I can kind of just set up uh, a mixer and set up some stereo a stereo pattern of mics around my drum set and just record them stereo, mm-hmm. uh, not multi-tracking. And I, I'm going to just then they start putting some real drums to all this stuff. It was a lot of program drumming and a lot of loops that they built songs around. And, uh, and in fact, uh, just to digress, uh, the one song on the album called uh, "One of You," which yes. I think it's track eight, starts out with a snare drum. Yeah, that's the loop that I built that whole song on. That is a okay. whole, that's a, just an Apple loop. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and I left it in because it's like well. The whole song was built on this loop. And, of course, I went and added my own drums and put a whole, the whole second drum part in and all that. It's all live drumming. But uh, that's the kind of thing I was doing. I was writing songs and just on, on loops and programming my drums. And so I went to replace them. Like, I'm just going to learn to play these songs. And literally the headphones on and playing along with the, the demos that I made, you know, and the computer on the grid. And... Uh, and I just started liking the results I was getting. It's like, hey, these drums actually sound pretty good. And these songs start coming alive when it's real instruments being played. And uh, yeah. so I just started to build out these songs uh, and, and, and realized that, yeah, a couple of years ago, I guess, I guess I got started in COVID, what, 20, what's that, 20, 2020? 20, yeah, 2020. And, and I was sort of well in 2021, it was still all that sort of stuff. And I realized, Hey, you know, I can make, I could, I could release something. I can make this into something and just put it out for fun, you know, like on Bandcamp. Uh, not again, thinking I'm resurrecting a musical career, but, uh, 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 yeah. So that's basically how it all came around. Mm -hmm. And I realized there was some guitar. I'm, I'm a very rudimentary guitar player, shall we say. So uh, I had uh, Byron uh, Slack from the Invasives come in, and mm-hmm. he actually we were co-wrote we co-wrote a song for the Compressor Head, and that in the opening track "Just Breathe" was actually originally a song he'd written that I then took and totally changed and rearranged it, and and uh, 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 and so I was you know working with him already, and then he came up and played some guitar for me when I wanted to just to be played better. Uh, and, uh, and, um, and then I just, Selena Martin was again, I just wanted, I wanted, I just 
discovered the original demo for Lifelike, which ended up Robbie writing mm-hmm. lyrics for it, went on Dance to the Headless Bourgeoisie, and uh, which I thought we did a great version, but it, it was, you know, a bonus track on the double vinyl. It kind of was mm-hmm. immediately yeah, relegated yeah. to obscurity. And, <laughs> right. and uh, uh, we did play it once. So we brought a keyboard along when we had two drummers, the last tours we did with Ken Kempster. But it just, yeah, it was one of my favorites that Robbie had written for music that I had written. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah like i say it just kind of got lost and and when i heard the original demo it's like well this needs to be more of a broader arrangement it's more keyboard driven it's more of a pop song and i just kind of it was just out of my own like i just want to do this again a different way sort of yeah and and so i got and i wanted a more choral i didn't want it to be just men singing this should be like a duet you know it was sort of sung as a duet with Robbie and and me, I guess, or Robbie doubling himself, and so Selena yeah. is just this artist that I had met, and she's awesome, and she's a great singer. She's uh, 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 so I just literally, she lives in France, and she's from Canada, but uh, say, hey, you think you'd like to sing this song? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I sent her the files, the parts, the me singing, and and so it, it, I was just building these songs out, kind of just for my own you know, whatever, for my own pleasure. And, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, I had my son played an acoustic guitar in one song and. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so it was really kind of a fun project. And Ford Pierre is another very talented artist. Uh, and I've known him forever, played lots of stuff with him in, in a band called the show business giants, which was Tom Holliston's kind of project. Mm. I've been playing with these guys for fucking years, mm-hmm. uh, and all fun stuff. And and hey, he, you know, I'm not much of a lyricist, so and Ford writes lots of words. So I say, hey, he he was writing some words for me, and one of the songs, uh, that was too easy. It was a song he just written some words for me. Mm-hmm. So I had some help to get it done, and uh, uh, and then with the bar kind of collapsing around me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, maybe, uh, maybe getting the band back together is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a choice now. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you've got so many people though that are in, you know, kind of our age range, around fifty or so, you know, are becoming, uh, you know, kind of the. Uh, a little bit of the older guard, but still touring around stuff. So you don't get any invites for that were you planning on touring it or well um, yeah uh, well I, like i say it was never really in the plans but as it yeah kind of came to life it was taking on a life of its own and and uh and now like i say literally like i'm i'm unemployed <laughs> yeah so uh yeah. uh uh yeah um obviously it's i'm not playing with my brother uh, or tom but mm. these fellas, these people that I just talked to you about, also Byron's partner, Christy, uh, Christy the Adet, plays in a band called Wrong, R-O-N-G. And, okay. and she's yeah. like a real spitfire. Uh, you know, she's multi-instrumentalist. She plays trumpet. Well, that was my, oh, can she come and play for me? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got some arrangements, and she plays guitar and keyboards and sings. And, and so 
yeah, a real talent and Byron, of course, and Ford. And then my partner here with that I got involved with originally years ago, building a coffee shop with, and then he was a partner in the pub. He's a mm-hmm. bass player, a really good bass player, uh, played in a band called Pigment Vehicle, uh, mm-hmm. which was from Victoria, crazy fucking really weird band, um, you know, uh, challenging the music, mm-hmm. uh, but played to the punk rockers, you know, as you know, would go on tour with, uh, you know, uh, well, I, you know, a lot of the punk rock bands and, uh, uh, and he's been out of music for a long time and wants to get back into it. And, uh, we're, we're good friends up here. So I was like, well, maybe I can get a band together. Uh, yeah. and, and so subsequently, uh, they've all, they're all uh, want to, and as long as we can make all our schedules happen, then yeah, the plan is to, to try to make a live show out of this and go out as dead Bob and play. Oh, that'd be great. And uh, yeah. you guys have played with uh, Pack AD up there before, haven't you? Before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just played yeah. A, a number of shows with the, with with uh, No Means No. Uh, they yeah. came and they came in on part of a tour in Europe with us. And oh, there, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. We've had Maya on the show before. Uh, yeah, it was great. Brooklyn. Yeah. Great. Yeah, they're they were really really fun band to to yeah. to to listen to to watch and and play with and good good people. Yeah, yeah. Becky couldn't make it on the show that night, but uh, it was uh, my was a good show and man, oh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think they've been a little off and on the last couple of years, uh, yeah. but I just saw I just they just popped on Facebook. I see they've got a bunch of shows coming up this year, so. I cool. guess they're still at it. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go, man. Super group. <laughs> Super group. <laughs> group. We'd yeah, come see you for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, if we, yeah, like, uh, like I say, it's, it's, I'm not sure if we'll have anything together to play except perhaps locally, uh, up here in British Columbia, maybe a little bit in the Western States. Seattle would go down a bit in the fall. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to get a, uh, the, the whole band camp thing kind of went a little sideways on me and, um, and it was too much. Uh, yeah. I have to, f- I don't have a label. Uh, and, uh, so I'm kind of searching around what would be a good label at this point to, to get the, some hard copy released and some support. And, you know, it's like, You've Oh, friends. I need a booking agent. I need a fucking publicist. I mean, all these things like, okay, to get this engine rolling again. Um, it's going to take some time to sort of put together it all. I, I just kind of did it, put it out there, uh, had great, awesome response. It's, it's been, it's been really, it's been really fun. Uh, it, from that perspective, people are enjoying it and excited about it. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's always, you know, any musician, of course, it's, it, it makes you feel good. So, um, so yeah, uh, now I find okay. Well, I'm just gonna see if I can't get this thing rolling. Yeah, we're uh, getting a merch line together, or it's a good place to yeah, buy it. Uh, yeah, another wonderful. You know, you just meet people, and uh, this it's a mm-hmm. company called Bifocal Media. Mm-hmm. They're down in the states. They put out. Yeah, they put out T-shirts, or and, and they do like the thing is 
like kind of doing one-offs, limited runs. Artists do something and they split the money with the artist and the band. And it's so, you know, kind of doing something a little different with t-shirts. And, uh, and they ended up, it was through a fellow named Abe Brennan from Denver. Uh, What was his band? Oh, here I go. There goes my brain. We played with them a bunch. You know, he was in with the all and all that crowd and oh, yeah, Bill Stevenson. And, yeah. Yeah. He had a really good band too. It was kind of that style. Mm-hmm. And, oh, crap. Sorry. Sorry, Abe. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a little while. I'm getting old. <laughs> um, in. Insert uh, band name here. Yeah. You, you yeah. can look it up, right? When you edit the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah. Anywho, he is an artist as well, and and I just it was a couple of years ago. It's like, hey, I, I, you know, I kind of want to do this wrong shirt. He drew it, you know, he drew the picture of the cow and mm-hmm. and, and and all that. It was like, hey, just what do you think? We we were doing this thing with this t-shirt company, and I'm like, oh sure, what the hell, go ahead. Yeah. And uh, and then they sent us money, so I was like, yay, yay. <laughs> someone's paying us. Awesome. <laughs> and they've gone on to do a bunch of different stuff and uh, super nice guys. Uh, and I've never, uh, the head fellow, Char- I think he's in North Carolina. Uh, uh, Charles, uh, oops, last name, excuse me again. Um, uh, uh, yeah. And so he just did a Dead Bob t shirt. He said, okay, let's do a Dead Bob t shirt. He sent me something based on the cover just like yeah. a few days ago. Oh, oh cool. awesome. Let's do it. And and this other dude, Wes Greaves is his name, artist. He just popped mm-hmm. up on Messenger. Oh, I heard you got a new album and all blah, blah, blah. And I'm a, this artist. This is what I do. And I looked at it. I was like, fuck, this is great. I said, yeah, I, I do album covers. And, I, you know, and I'm, gee, I'd love to do, I'd love No Means No, and I want to do something. It's like, awesome. Well, I think. We've got a great, tri- <laughs> uh, we, we, we got the triad right here because this bi- bifocal media does these one offs with an artist doing something with the, with the band. And like, so yeah, uh, um, that's been a real pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, so starting to get some ideas for some merch and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Where did, where did the, uh, where'd the name come from with that bomb? Doesn't have anything to do with Robbie, does it? No, it Dead Bob <laughs> Dead Bob is a is a no means no song. It's okay. off of it's off of uh Sex Mad. Uh, our, the album we released in eighty six. Oh I think it's, on, yeah. on I AT. I think it was it was the first album we released with AT. Mm. Uh, and uh and we have a character. Before that we had an E P called You Kill Me. Oh you kill card. me guy. Yeah, yeah you, you kill me guy. Mm-hmm. That's Dead Bob. That's Dead Bob. Oh, okay. Okay. That we called him Dead Bob, and then <laughs> oh and 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 had a song that went with him, uh, which we haven't played since you know probably 1987, mm-hmm. which I plan on resurrecting. <laughs> right on. <laughs> but you know, because <laughs> some people you. will obviously, if I get out there and play, if I can get the band together and go play, people are going to want to hear some No Means No stuff as well, and. Oh, sure. Uh, and I, you know, I can't, I don't want to be, I can't be, and I don't want to be No Means No 2.0. Um, right. And, and especially some of my brother's songs, which are, 
I mean, that's him singing about himself. You, you, you know, I'd be covering right. himself. You know, it'd be kind of stupid. So, mm-hmm. but there are certain songs that would be really cool, especially to rearrange and try to do, you know, right. put some new life into them. But mm-hmm. I thought, well, fuck, if I'm going to call myself Dead Bob, I we should play the song, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, yeah, Dead Bob was kind of when I actually what I originally wanted to call myself was Nope. (laughs) N-O-P. Yeah. But then it was like, oh, fuck, it turned out to be this major Hollywood release in the movie. I was like, oh, well. And and that's when I went on to like Spotify and started looking at names like Nope. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Fuck, there's like eight of them out there. It's like, oh, right. All right, I'll call yeah. myself Mr. Wright, R-I-G-H-T, because it, mm-hmm. it was a character when Robbie and I put out that album, Mr. Wrong. Mr. Wrong, Mr. Mr. Right. Yeah. And no, well, apparently there's a half a dozen or 12 of those out there. It's like wow. suddenly I found myself like I can't come up with a name that's not out there, like, and not just one band, like, you know, six, eight. It's like, oh, my God. And it, yeah. it got super frustrating like you're no longer picking a name for yourself because you're it's fun. Right. I want to be that. Right. You're like, well, what can I call myself? that's not already fucking taken. <laughs> you know what? We we run into the same problem, but the other way, we, as far as we know, we were the first undetermined podcast, and now there's uh-huh. like three or four of them out there. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Well, sue their fucking asses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh, we, we were friends with right one. Now. One of yeah, them is a, clearly has a bigger budget than we do. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, much bigger. So that we would probably end up paying them money. <laughs> probably. Just from legal fees fight. alone. Yep. Yeah. Die on that hill. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's what we do. But, yeah, it's it's funny. We do. We talk to a lot of other bands who just don't, younger bands who just don't give a shit about that anymore, whether it's taken. They're just like, yeah. You know, yeah, no, I know. It's like whatever. There's, it's too, you know, it's the line of bands that are out there is too extensive. They're all over the world now, and it's all connected to the internet. They're like, just be better than the band yeah. you're naming yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you be the best. Be the best one of the best. Yeah, be the best undetermined you can. Be the best nope you can. Yeah, yep. exactly. I I know, so, but I I found it I very frustrating. Yeah. I just it it was it was I guess because it. You know, there's a lot of stress in my life with the pub and all that. It just yeah. kind of caught me off guard, you know, like, fuck, why yeah. would this be the most difficult thing? <laughs> right. Uh, and then, but my friend of mine who's moved up here, actually our original uh, sound man, not the original original, but uh, the sound man that was with us the longest, he was our sound man for about 19 years. And and he's subsequently moved up here and, and – uh, He's been following along with this project, and he said, "Well, just call yourself Dead Bob." Yeah. And like, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> great name. Yeah, it's like, all oh, right, yeah, I, I think I could live with that. And then sure, I've, I've grown, I've grown to, uh, yes, I've grown to appreciate. It. I think it's a pretty good name. Right. Yeah, it'll do. <laughs> it'll do. Uh, it's so you don't have a, a set day for hitting the road or anything? You're just no, I'm just kind of working on all the... I mean, shit, the album just dropped, like, what, April 20th, 21st, something like that? Yeah, April, the, the Queen's birthday show. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> a, day awesome. after we, yeah, a day after Weed's birthday. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in around then, too. Right? It's Tom Holliston's birthday, actually. Our guitar player, Tom Holliston, his birthday was mm. first. I was going to release it on February 23rd, which is my birthday. Oh. But I did not have a name. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> oh, I had to wait that long. Uh, yeah, uh, like yeah. I said, it's kind of a lot of things to to to, to get together. To, uh, and you know, booking now it's like yeah, talk about millions of bands out there. Well, oh, millions yeah. out there, and you have to look pretty well, really far in advance. And yeah, I, I like I say, I've got to get all the the. You know the mechanisms uh, uh, up and running again, because um, it takes a lot of support from from people to make it all happen. So, yeah. but thankfully, I've got lots of friends out there, and people are excited to help. And and uh, cool. well, you got a friend in us. We're going to do our best to absolutely to pimp you out and see what we can see what we can get going. Send yeah. you people and well, uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, of course, the whole world of podcasts. As I was telling you before the tape was running mm-hmm. at the end of the road we literally had no cell phones or internet up until oh, crazy ago we still don't have internet we uh i'm talking to you on my data on my cell phone you know uh, wow. we oh crap well, i hope we're not <laughs> uh, now the podcast out there it's like i've not really delved into it but there's so i'm hoping uh yeah yeah but, be doing a lot of chatting with uh, uh, like-minded folks like yourselves. So sure, sure, and you'll love Conan. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah, he's fun. Great guy. Great yeah, guy. yeah. Again, you know, I, I knew nothing about him until he sent me a message and like, hey, you want to come on? Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was probably my fault. I was bragging a little bit to him. <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah, John Wright, come on. Because uh, he just had like Dave Lombardo, and he's got you know, I mean, he's got um, right. He know, kills us in some of his yeah, guests he kills that he us has. so many ways. We're kind of his little, we're kind of his little puppy uh, adopted <laughs> puppy podcast that he that he likes. Uh, he's he, got, he tosses uh, us scraps every now and then. Right. Yep. So, so if we uh, beat him to something, that's yeah. pretty cool. Right. Yeah, I mean Dale Crover's his drummer. It's a you know he's. He's uh, doing okay in the popularity category, but we could all use more money. We could all use more, you know, sales for sure. Oh man, he would love to have you for Catterwall too. I'm oh yeah, sure of it. I'll bet you you get asked. Uh, he was, oh sure. Yeah, he was talking about that today. So, and uh, that's why we're not going to talk until I think next month. Ah. Mm, yeah, yeah, that dude's a hard worker. Um, you know. For somebody in the, uh, yeah, I, I we was calling him the hardest working guy for since uh, yeah. <laughs> since James Brown died. <laughs> yeah, but all right, man. Well, I mean, is there anything else you want to plug, or, or I mean, we don't want to keep you on all night or anything? But no, no, not really. Uh, it was, uh, like I say, um, just uh, uh, super uh, appreciate. Uh, you guys reaching out and asking oh, to about the record and uh, uh, and like I say I've been uh, really uh, pretty uh, humbled by a lot of the uh, responses and the excitement and uh, people really lit- missed no means no the fans are still there and and but it's kind of pressure too you feel like oh well you know I'm not my brother and I'm not no means no and 
uh, I hope you yeah, like it. Yeah, but there's no no means no without you at <laughs> yeah. the same time. So don't like dismiss yourself. Well, right. well, people will start maybe like, uh, you know, they hear this record and then the next record will be like, oh, okay, maybe they'll start seeing the, uh, yeah, when you see it separated away, like, oh, yeah, that's why those songs sounded like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but man, don't sell yourself short. I mean, I've heard so many people. You know, it, and also, like I say, we were so isolated here in Missouri and you isolated up there in Canada. I'm, I'm surprised that it found my ears. But if it wasn't for the town, if it wasn't for the songs, if it wasn't for and a lot of other names saying, oh, check out this band, um, you know, probably would have never heard you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yep. You, well, you certainly a- have the fans out there, man. You know, don't yeah. sell yourself short. Yeah, we we, we were definitely fan driven not industry driven mm-hmm. uh, and that was kind of on purpose too I mean we the industry we it's just like I don't know we get swallowed up if we get in, into that we're not yeah. a band that can be just marketed straight up well, and and we just thought well let's be the big fish in the little pond it'll probably be better for us and uh, yeah well punk doesn't work if it's industry driven it just doesn't yeah well, uh, everything mm-hmm. with Nirvana, grunge, and the, the sort of uh, when punk really sort of got into another level of mm-hmm. uh, of success, financial and commercial success, it, it all kind of changed. But we had our, already established who we were, and our audience was there. So, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, you know the just the the fan support. Absolutely. I mean, every band is supported by their. Can't really succeed without it. But with us, it was really very direct connection between the two. We didn't yeah. have the publicity publicity machine behind us and the uh, and all that kind of stuff and the major label support and that. So it was uh, pretty DIY in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you got to keep the networking going too. So one thing we're figuring out too in this is, you know, mm-hmm. more connections we make with other people and like-minded people, people, more people we reach. So well, yeah. And I'm discovering that now. Of the, you know, playing 30 years, there's there's a lot of people out there I met, and a lot of people that are happy to see me doing this and want to help if they can. So, well, we're certainly a couple of those fuckers. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll listen and tell people and we'll buy stuff when we can afford it. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll get it out there and, and share it. But uh, yeah, man, John, Wright, Thank, thank you, you so much for coming on, man. We, we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really cool to meet you. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, dead Bob, dead oh, camp. Dead Bob. Back of the woods. Even, you know, the thing is, the last time we were through, it was just visiting my sister. So, mm-hmm. I'm hey, man, I'll buy you a beer. You just <laughs> okay. let me know. Yeah. I'll let yeah. you know. Sure. <laughs> right on. Okay, All good right. night, fellas. All right. Well, uh, yeah, don't disconnect yet, but I will not thank you, you, everybody, for listening to Undetermined the Podcast. Special guest, John Wright, Dead Bob. Mm-hmm. No, no. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye bye. Okay, I'm gonna hit stop.